You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hello, welcome to episode four of Push the Points Team Previews for season four of the Overwatch League. I'm Ramsey's your host, joined by Labosco. This this week, this episode, we are breaking down the first four of our APAC teams, and I know with how many Korean contenders players we're about to go into, I know Lobo's really excited. I'm just excited for this region in general. I think that this region is is really hard to to have a grasp of how it's going to sort of shake out. I I, I really can't say that when I was trying to put them in an order that that I felt very confident with any order that I could think of. So, and that's because I think there's a lot of uh, unknowns, but also just a lot of uh, potentially really good play we could see in the APAC region. Yes, sir. Like we've been doing for the past couple episodes, we go into roster kind of player by player uh group by group then we go into what expectations i think we have for this team or we think we have for this team and then we wrap up with a win condition what we think is going to be a successful season for this team and i think there's no better place to start than my favorite color scheme maybe in overwatch league the guangzhou charge quiet consistency is the best way to describe the 2020 guangzhou charge They were never the team that everyone was talking about, but they were always winning so many games throughout the regular season. They won enough games to finish in fifth in the regular season standings and second overall in the Asia region. They also made a great mid-season run to win the Summer Showdown Championship over the Shanghai Dragons. Eileen, Happy, and Nero would combine for a three-headed DPS lineup that offered many looks depending on what the meta called for. The emergence of Flex Tank and MVP Canada Krong added a major dynamic to the Charges lineup, which gave teams fits all season long, but ultimately hardships would derail the team from ever reaching their peak potential even though they remained a consistent force throughout. Nero, Neptuno, and Wea would have visa issues due to COVID during the season, making it difficult for the roster to truly gel and adapt the way other rosters could. The playoffs would be their time to shine, many thought, but the darlings of the Asia playoffs wouldn't be them. The blazing hot Seoul Dynasty would be the Charge's first matchup in the playoffs, and it was here where the Dynasty would find another level. The Dynasty quickly dispatched the Charge in a 3-0 fashion. The Charge could not regain their footing in what would be their final game of the year against the New York Excelsior. The Excelsior would also 3-0 the Charge, making it a clean sweep for the Charge out of the playoffs, not even managing to win one map before their exit. Season 4 should be an easier time for the Charge as far as visas are concerned. They no longer have players from overseas and now have a full Korean and Chinese roster for the 2021 season. Mai Kay Lee and Cho Se Wan have been added to the DPS line to play alongside Eileen and Kareev, and Mandu has been brought in to solidify the backline. This should still be a formidable roster with pieces that were kept, but the Asian region looks to be a bit tougher than it's ever been. Whether the Charge will be able to keep that consistency they had last year remains to be seen. One thing is for sure, they won't be able to do it as quietly as last year when everyone knows to be on the lookout for them. I know Lobo's going to give me a lot of hate for thinking this is my favorite no, color scheme, but I no. love the dark blue. It's no, really... I, I, I just think it's funny that the team that's like basically blue, lighter blue, and even lighter blue is your... Your favorite like color scheme. It's cool. As somebody cool who looking. loves blue too, I totally get it. The charge, I think, follow me on Twitter too. So like, listen, th- there, Hi, there's reasons to like the charge. I, you I'm know what? Say it. I I like. I mean, hey, you know, what? I, I think I love blue. I like this team. I think I would even like better a jersey of this team that would somehow appear <laughs> at my house or your I house. But I don't know, I'm not gonna. But- I'm not gonna. Well, they I'm not gonna announce Twitter, my address on the internet either way. All right, they'll have to figure it out. Um, we gotta get a PO at any box rate or something. 
I'll just sign up for Herbalife. That'll totally make it work. Um, oh my gosh. So this team, this team's a little Guangzhou's kind of interesting in that a lot of the other teams really went for a lot of rookie talent. Uh, this team is pretty middle as far as like, there's a lot of seasoned veterans on this team and a couple new ones. Um, going through DPS, you have Eileen and correct me if I'm wrong. Is it my Kaylee or M Y Kaylee? I think it's my Kaylee. It's just, let's just say Kaylee because that's what Kaylee was known up until this point was Kaylee. Okay. So Eileen, Kaylee and choice. Juan. There's no, I didn't, I shouldn't have, I pronounced that correctly. It's choice. A one, uh, at support, you have Kariv and Mondu, uh, Kariv, you know, from the Valiant and then the defiant and then Mondu, uh, main support, who was a backup player for the New York Excelsior. Didn't really get to play that much. And then at tanks, you have Rio returning for his third season in a row with this team as your really solid main tank player. Krong, uh, rookie of the year candidate at off tank. And then Jihun is your backup main tank. I think you bring him in to maybe play the ball occasionally. Maybe pretty good Winston player. Uh, somebody who I think is coming from London Spitfire is getting a second shot. This team is interesting to me because... I think looking at the parts we know about already, Eileen had a pretty good season three. I don't really know. Good. If, really good. I don't think it was MVP level as for some reason he was on the voting sheet for it, but really good season three kind of took over in Nero's absence. Really strong Genji player, really great Farah player, uh, really got a chance to kind of prove himself out there. And then my Kaylee or Kaylee is one of the two contenders talents coming in DPS and Kaylee's somebody I've seen you talk about a decent bit. Kenobi's talked about him a lot. I've seen, um, we talked about him with our good buddy. Uh, why am, why am I forgetting the name? I know too many people. This is dumb. Uh, we've talked about him on previous episodes. Uh, it's, I really want to know more about this DPS line. If you have anything. I think that this DPS line is going to be competing as one of the best DPS lines in the APAC region. I think that they're that good. Eileen didn't just become an MVP candidate out of nowhere. Eileen was that good of a player for the Guangzhou charge last year. Really solidified Bulky. things, especially when when you look at how, you know, sort of in flux they ended up being for mm -hmm. that position because of, of visa problems. By the way, I want to apologize to Hulky for forgetting his name for a couple of seconds. I'm sorry. It's really late where I am. Um, no, Hulky's been talking about like this whole roster too. Eileen really did not step out of nowhere, like you said, but like we've seen good performances from him on Team China. Came out and really was like an anchor for this team. Like we talked about with Paris last episode, like Neptuno was off and on this team, like for most of the season. Nero was off and on this team for most of the season, and he really was like the consistent shining spot for this team. He really was. And that's who the DPS that they've decided to build the, the that part of their roster around, right? Like they didn't keep Nero, they they didn't keep Happy, they they didn't keep those guys who who people thought maybe they would be the ones that really end up being the the players that that you would want to keep. Eileen was that person, and I think rightfully so. I think that that the, one of the things that the charge did last year and I, you know i still don't understand why they they were as you heard in the preview they were this quietly consistent team they won a freaking tournament and they were still not as talked about as some of the other teams in the apac region it it was always so bizarre to me that that was the case and kaylee is somebody who it's just been about waiting for kaylee to get their opportunity in the league like this is somebody that that we've known has been a good player. Was very good for Billy Billy and Light Gaming and BTRG back when BTRG was actually a team that you wanted to pay attention to, and also was playing. I played on Cyclone before that. Like Kaylee has always been somebody who who has been a highlight real player with some of the things that they're able to do. And then I think Choi, uh, Choi and I always say this wrong, um, but Choi Siwan from Element Mystic is also one of those players that sure Element Mystic didn't win anything, but you talk about one of the players that you wanted to pay attention to on that team. And then also in previous years with Kong Du Panthera and Team Griffin, like this has always been a darn good DPS player who finally has come of age and now will get his chance to shine in the Overwatch League. Kaylee is going to be, from what I can see, your head scan player. 
Uh, Troy Sewan is going to be more of your DP, not that. Yeah. Is going to be more of your flex DPS player. I wonder where he fits in along Eileen. I kind of have a. I would. I really don't know if you have one guy who's going to be in there like every time. Maybe Kaylee, just because he's your one hit scan guy right now. I think it depends on like what the meta is too, right? Like Choi Sewan probably comes in to be your echo player. You know, sort of uh, maybe f- think of like how Nero was sort of like that one projectile guy who played like the Pharah and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he fills that part of the role where where you have Eileen sort of playing the the other heroes that are more important, like like the Genjis and the Doomfists and the Sombras and the Tracers. Like that's that's the role for Eileen. Like not really the projectile player, but sort of those I don't know what you call Tracer and Sombra, because they're not they're not really Flick hit scan. Flick scan. Flick scan is the word I've heard. The Tracer, Sombra, and the Reaper. Yeah. That that's what you see Eileen on is stuff like that. And I think that this is they they fill out all of those positions really well with these three guys. You know, they could maybe could they stand to maybe add one more player? Sure. Like, I don't think as a team you're ever um, not in a position where you could use more DPS players. Um, I think that that having, you know, three, four DPS is always a, a decent thing to, to have to have maybe a little bit more coverage on here. Give these guys less that they have to focus on as far as what their hero pool needs to be is never a bad thing. Tanks look really solid for this team as well. Uh, Krong was a rookie of the year candidate who got and really MVP close. candidate and MVP candidate. Really, really good off tank player. I think probably the best player on the team last year. It can be argued. Yeah. And then Rio, super consistent, solid main tank. I would argue Rio is probably like fate. Maybe a little bit better, where that this guy's always gonna be a very consistent quality main tank player. Very good. I, I've liked the guy for a long time. Jihun, I think, comes in to mainly be your wrecking ball specialist. Maybe the Arissa. Although Rio has played ball a little bit too. I, I think it's maybe just to fill in the positions that maybe you're not as confident with Rio on. Right. Like, I, you know, Rio's going to probably be your Winston and your Reinhardt, no doubt. And then maybe, maybe you have Jihun there to maybe fill those other roles, or maybe just as a backup in general, you know, in mm-hmm. case you're not 100% confident in Rio. But I, I think that the more uh, interesting part here for this team is, is the support line. I think this is the one where, where people will maybe look in and have the, the most where they're paying attention to, not because of Kariv who has been brought onto the team, but who he's paired up with in Mandu. Mm-hmm. Mandu is your main support. Uh, been around. He was with New York until he was of age. Uh, played with Armament, WGS, and O2 Blast. Uh, known as kind of a very aggressive main support player. Somebody who like is, I don't know if you would say like a fragger, but like known as like a really kind of like playmaking guy. We didn't get to see that much of him in season three, unfortunately. Uh, Animo kind of locked down that main support spot for most of the year. And then I'm happy he got another shot here, but I'm really having a hard time thinking of like setting expectations for this guy. Kariv, I'm a little bit more familiar with. I think Kariv has kind of subtly slipped down after season two to where like he's a re- he's a really good flex support, but I think there's plenty of people I would still take over him. Well, and that's the thing you think about. We haven't seen. Kariv on a roster like this that has some pretty talented players on it. I, I think this is maybe where we'll get to see what we really have in Kariv. I think who he's paired up with too is, is a big question mark as well. But if you're you're talking about a, a part of the roster where I maybe feel like there there's a lot of teams that are better than them, not just in the APAC, but in the league in general, this is probably the position that that you have um, the easiest time of finding rosters that are better than them, like a, a large amount of rosters that might be better than them. But I still, I, I you think about it though, Karivit points was was a guy that got talked up so much at certain points in his career. So I'm really excited to see him get to be part of a roster like this, and then Mandu just getting the opportunity to actually be the main support. Expectations wise, what are you thinking for this team? Because I would say, except for maybe the bottom team, APAC is going to be a very competitive region this year. <laughs> this was hard. Like, this was really, really hard to put. Like, I I think Shanghai is still the team to beat in APAC. Um, but then after that is when it gets really hard. 
right? Like, are they better than Philly? Are they better than the Spark? Are they better than Seoul? Are they better than Chengdu? Which is a weird thing to, to be talking about. Are they better than NYXL? Um, I, I think New York is maybe the other team that's easiest to place. And for me, I'm placing them more towards the bottom. But then after that, I don't know. I I have them as one of the top teams as of this moment. Not Not in second, but up there. So... I think that they have the potential to be that. I think the support um, position is definitely the, the area that has me most concerned, though. I feel you. I'm wondering, really, it's really hard to place teams in APAC. I have them towards like the middle. I actually have New York a little bit higher than you do, but I have them at fifth out of eighth. Which, and again, if this were NA, it'd be different because I feel like there's way bigger gaps. But at the beginning of the season so far, we don't really know. I think we are, we're confident Shanghai and I would say maybe Philly are nearer to the top. But like everything else is really just kind of soup. It's just hard to to place some of these teams because I feel like the middle of the pack is super difficult to know how they're going to be. That's that's the biggest part for me is like I just don't know because there's a lot of new talent coming in. But not only that, the way that these rosters are compared to the years prior, not a lot of them are the same. No, everything's changed pretty drastically. When we look at win conditions for this team, what do you think is is a successful season? No, you mean expectations? Yeah, both of those. They kind of flow into each other. Well, so, I, I, so expectations wise, like I said, I think that they should be a team competing near the top of APAC. Um, that's what I expect. I, I think that um, they may have to make adjustments with Kariv and Mandu, maybe. I, I don't know if both of them or one of them would have to go. I don't know if either of them will go. Maybe they'll, they'll both play better than we expect. Maybe this is finally the time where we get to see Kariv sort of turn to the return to form from how we sort of saw him towards the beginning of the Overwatch League compared to how things were in the middle for him. So so mm -hmm. I think that's one of those things that that things will sort of hinder upon. And as far as the win condition, it is the support line, because I think that the DPS and the tank lines are very, very good and will carry you pretty far. It's just whether or not the support line can be that thing that puts you over the edge. I'm rolling with you. I'm thinking, I think it'll be interesting to see where this team shakes out. I agree DPS and tanks are solid, but if, if you have a weak spot, I think unfortunately we're at the spot, we're at the point in the league where that, that weakness is going to get exploited if they find it. Maybe so, but that's how good their tanks and their DPS are that they might be able to cover for some of those things. I definitely do feel like they, they definitely got a little bit weaker at support. Um, Shu was pretty darn good, and Chara, while maybe not the best player, was a leader for this team. That That is another part that I'm very curious to see how that void is filled. Cool, cool. Well, from Guangzhou, we're going to move on to Hangzhou as we take on my other favorite, my other favorite uniform in Overwatch League, the Hangzhou Spark. A fourth place finish in 2019 and a lot of talent had many expecting the 2020 Hangzhou Spark to be a team competing for a championship. Talented rookies QoQ, Coldest, and McKay, along with the addition of Architect in May, had many believing that 2020 could be the year of the spark. But the Asian region is not an easy one. There are incredibly talented rosters at the top making the season a rough experience for its iteration of Hangzhou. 2020 would never see the spark reach those highs many thought the team could achieve. A middling regular season record and only one mid-season tournament championship appearance in the Countdown Cup that resulted in a loss had many desiring more. But better results would never come. The Spark would disappoint at the end of the year by losing in the play-in games. Their chance to make it was denied by the buzzsaw that was the Seoul Dynasty. Perhaps the rough season will lower expectations for some, but the talent on the roster has not diminished. Takoyaki, Bernard, and Lega have been added to bolster the tank line. 
a reimagined support line will look for the best combo between IDK, Makah, MCD, and Coldest. New talented DPS players join Godsby and Architect to help bolster a highly talented group that needed more hero coverage in Shy and Seal Minsu. The future still looks bright for the Spark, but whether they will finally live up to all the talent they have still remains to be seen. Hangzhou has a bunch of players I think that you're really excited to cover. Ones that are returning to this team and ones that are new. I think there's a ton of really cool rookie talent on here. People that I know you've been excited to discuss. Uh, we'll go through just everything first. Godsby and Architect both return. Shy and Salem and Sue are two of your rookie guys. Are your two rookie guys coming in? And then IDK. Did you just call Salman Sue a rookie? No, I'm sorry. I'm my bad. Shy, I think, is your main guy you're really excited about. I know you're really excited about Shy. Yeah. Uh, Salem and Sue comes back off of um, a leave of absence from the explosion of the Vancouver Titans. IDK is back as your main support. Coldest and Mika. Well, IDK, Coldest, Mika, and MCD are back as your rest of your supports. Gushway is back at the main tank. He's going to be backed up by Liga. We'll see. I don't know how long that might last. Bernar. Maybe I'm getting, I'm getting stuff wrong and forgive me. You have Gushway, Liga, Bernar, and Takoyaki as your tank lineup. And there's a lot of people I'm, I'm already aware of on this team that I'm excited about. Godsby has been a very consistent hit scan player. Uh, I put him in the same area, I guess, as Happy. We're like, Really good. I don't know if he's going to break the world necessarily, but like really good, solid guy. Architect, championship winner with the shock. Kind of came in at a rough time for Hangzhou last year. Didn't really get his footing, but I'm hoping he'll show better this year. Shy is one of, I think, your most hyped players that you're excited to see. Uh, I He is somebody that, that I've always thought very highly of for his ability on the hit scan role. Uh, he, he's been part of some pretty good Billy Billy teams that, that have been very, very good at times. He was also part of LGD back when LGD was a very good roster competing with Lucky Future Zenith back in the day. Th this is a guy who, who has been an extremely talented player, finally turns of age. And now we'll get to see how how good of a hitscan player he really is. He He's had some moments that that are just absolutely bonkers on things like Widowmaker. Um, he is somebody who's going to be exciting on any hit scan player that we end up getting to see him on. And then Salem and Sue, I think making his um, triumphant return might be a lot, but I think making a big return to Overwatch League, somebody who I think the community has been really behind and has really wanted to see return. And looking at it, this team has such a weird DPS lineup. Like, Architect Godsby is really solid. I think you have Architect as your Architect's your your flex guy. Godsby your hit scan. Shy has a ton of hit scan heroes in his team in his um wheelhouse. Sam and Sue has such a weird hero pool because you look, he's got the Reaper, Doomfist, Farah, May, but we've also seen him play McCree in the past. Like he plays a ton of different stuff. I think his Zarya arguably is his most notable hero, and it's not even a, a DPS. He's sort of um, he's similar to Decay in some ways. And I think people forget, too, like how good Soman Sue has done on a lot of different things that you've seen him play. I I'm excited to see him get back into the Overwatch League for one and two. Like you can put him into a role where he's going to be comfortable. I think the one thing here with every single guy that you see on here is you see players who are going to be able to, for the DPS, just play a couple of heroes that they're really good at. Even a guy like Architect, who's sort of a, you know, a, a guy in a vein similar to Rascal of sorts, where he can play mm -hmm. things outside of the DPS realm. Like, you know what you can rely for him on. And, like, I know that Shy and Godsby have very similar hero pools, but I do think there are certain areas where, where Godsby's a little better at some things and then where Shy is a little better at other things. So I, I think in, in that respect, too, you kind of let Shy and Godsby focus on the part of their pools that they're better suited for in the hit scan area. And I think this actually works out really well. I think this ends up being 
if they get everybody to to buy in, this can be an incredible DPS lineup. Looking at supports, you've got IDK and Mika as your main supports. IDK, World Cup player at one point. Somebody who, I mean, where do you stand on IDK? Because I, I, he isn't really routinely mentioned as like one of like the elite main supports for Korea, but he's still someone who has played very, very well in his seasons with Overwatch League. I think he's always been a really incredible you know, support player. I, I think that he is somebody who can be one of the better support players in the league. I, I've always liked him. I liked him on Lucky Future Zenith. Uh, people forget he had a stint with Lunatic High at one point. You know, like he is a player that I think is very good. I, I think that the expectations, he, he's a player who's never reached, though, the expectations that people have sort of put onto him, though, from everything prior and everything that we've expected from the Spark. Like the Spark has been a team that that has sort of had high expectations, but never seemed to have been able to reach the expectations that people have had. And then... Mika, I think, is somebody who we've seen on Billy Billy Gaming and Flag Gaming. Kind of came in. Him and Coldest. I think I know Coldest is your boy. I know we have we are nothing but stands of Coldest on this podcast. Um, him and Coldest really not, didn't get that much. I mean, they didn't play to the level I think we thought they should have last year. Well, they didn't really play Coldest. They didn't play. That's why. Mm. I mean, we saw Coldest for like a map or two. You know, like we just didn't see anything to to say whether or not they they should be there. So, you know, they're they're still on the team though, right? Like they they survived, right? BB was yeah. let go. MCD is going to be your other flex support on this team. I really wonder between him and Coldus who ends up taking that starting role. It's hard to say. I don't know, but I think MCD, that's maybe why you bring. Gone. I think that's why you bring somebody like MCD in, right? Uh, because maybe they aren't as high as, you know, maybe Coldest has had trouble adjusting to Overwatch League. So that's why you bring somebody like MCD in to sort of push, either push him or MCD takes the spot. Because MCD is definitely a pretty talented player, too. Looking at the tank line for this team, Gushwe still probably a, a beloved player over the main tank. And then Takoyaki is your other main tank. He is currently underage, though he will be available to play at pretty much two days after the season starts. So April 18th, he misses maybe one week. Uh, player with Element Mystic, Meta Athena, Team Diamond. And I'm not, I don't know a lot about this guy. I've heard some very hype things about him. I think he ends up maybe... I mean, Gushue has has uh, a great Winston, but I don't know if he's going to be playing other roles once Takoyaki actually becomes of age. Um, that that's what I'm curious to see more than anything else. And then you have two solid flex tanks with Liga and Bernard. Liga, I've heard a lot of good things about. Hulky's been a big Liga guy. Um, off tank, you spent time with. Team CC, big time Regal, Regal Gaming. Um, I know this guy, like you have your Diva, your Zarya, your Sigma. Do you think he starts off as your starter or does maybe Bernar still hold on no, to that position? I, I, <laughs> I like Bernar a lot too, but I think it's Lee, Lee, Lee G. I think it, I, I always forget how to say it, but Lee, I think it's Lee G is the correct way to say it. I know that it's a G, so it shouldn't make that noise but I'm pretty sure it's Lee G either way. That is who I think ends up being your, your starter. Bernard is so darn good though, too. Like, like as far as like one of the better parts of that London Spitfire team, I think Bernard was one of the standouts, but I still think that uh, you you've brought in this player from one of the best rosters in contender of last year for a reason. And he was one of the main reasons why that roster was so good. Mm -hmm. Really, really good flex tank player. Before we go on to expectations, quick look at the coaching staff. Um, Pagiano, has Pagiano always been the head coach? I mean, I know he joined the team last year, or maybe even two years ago. No, last year. He joined in late last year. 
was he head coach then or has he been promoted to head coach? Because now he's listed as a head coach. Um, I believe Mask was until the middle of the like the year last year. And then he took Andante, over for Mask. Andante joins the team as another assistant coach. You four, the the architect between behind season one, Shanghai Dragons has been with this team for a while, too. Right, but but not in the role. I mean, you're talking about an assistant coach, right? Assistant like, coach, 2019. I think it's just, I'm just shocked to just realize this. I would have thought that like season one, Shanghai Dragons people were like untouchable, but. Not necessarily. I mean, just just because you were part of something that was bad doesn't mean the, the responsibility was on you solely. You know, mm-hmm. if you think about it, a lot of the people from that, not everybody, but there's a you know certain parts of that Owen Forty Shanghai Dragons team that have gone on to be incredibly good players, like Fearless, for example, right? Like Dia, we're still waiting for him to get his redemption time in Overwatch League because he is good enough to be back in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like that have sort of proven their way in, and you four being able to keep a job, I think, is proof enough that he's doing something right. For sure, for sure. When we look at expectations for this team, what are we thinking? I don't think that the the expectations have ever dropped from the spark that they should be a team competing at or near the top. And I think that maybe this is the year where it finally happens. You know, I I think that they they have so many guys in each position like they've insulated themselves for, okay, if this guy doesn't hit this guy should. Mm -hmm. This really feels like this is the year where that can actually happen. Great point. I think you have a, you have solid spot, solid guys in each spot. I think this should be a team going to semifinals. I would think. I think this should be a comp- team competing for for APAC championships. That's where I have them. I mean, where where is it that that they don't have a guy who would potentially be um, fighting for one of the top players at, at a certain spot? Right, like they have somebody. Mm. They they have guys at DPS. Who can can be competing for for the you know role stars right? They have supports that potentially could be competing for that. They have tanks that could potentially be competing for that. I think this is the best roster that they have assembled. I think this is their best opportunity to be fighting for a championship, and that's what the expectation in my mind should be based on who they've brought. In. What do you think defines a, a successful season for this team? Uh, competing, competing for APAC titles. Right. Like if they're not doing that, if they're not a team at it towards the end of the year, then this is a failure of a season because they've already had expectations like this almost every year that they've been in the league. People forget they were fourth place in their first season in the league Mm -hmm. Fourth, Mm -hmm. They were that good of a team and people kind of forget. So if they're not getting close to that this year, then that's got to be considered a failure. Because this is the most talented roster that they've had. I don't think that there's there's maybe arguments with that, but like main support. Have they improved? Right? Like like if you think about the areas where they've either lost people or they've replaced people, have they gotten better or potentially better? I think that they have, right? QOQ as your offtake didn't end up playing to the level that that we saw him start out at playing. So now you've brought in uh Bernard and Legi, all right? One of those guys or both of them might be better than QOQ, right? Like, cause it was mm-hmm. Sasin and QOQ were sort of the two there. Um, main tank. Gushway is still a player that a lot of people are high on, but you also have Takoyaki now who it, you're being, you're bringing in as a player who is extremely talented, right? So one of those two guys has to be able to hit at that other spot. You look at supports, flex support. You've brought in Coldis. And you have uh, was it? I always forget who the other one is. Um, and uh, and is it Mika? I always forget, or is it MCD? I, uh, MCD. Sorry. Again, two players that there was a time where coldest people thought that he could be one of the best flex supports in the game. So, mm-hmm. do we actually get that? If not, we've got MCD who was part of some very good rosters prior to joining this he he was part of some good element mystic teams he was part of that element mystic team that ends up winning gauntlet stuff like that so you you have somebody there that that you think might have some potential and it's definitely an improvement from baby at the very least i think that the guys that they have there are going to be an improvement there 
off tank we already talked about main tank uh you know idk i think is still extremely good as a main support and then dps they've just added they've really just added like what did you lose in bazi and crystal and adora Mm -hmm. you know you didn't lose a whole lot well i'm i'm agreeing with you i think they make it i think they should be competing for championships but I think you're going to have a really hard time fighting against our third team, the Shanghai Dragons. The Shanghai Dragons have come a long way from the 0-40 team they once were. Season 3 saw the Dragons reach its highest of highs, which comes as no surprise with how incredibly talented their roster was last year. The accolades stacked for the team as they finished the regular season with a stellar 27-2 record, which stood as the best in the regular season over the entire league. Their wins didn't just stop in the regular season either. The Dragons captured two of the three mid-season tournaments for the Asian region. The only one they didn't win was the Summer Showdown, where they took second place. The players also gathered up accolades with Fleta winning the MVP of the regular season along with being named a DPS role star. Void was also an MVP candidate and a tank role star. Lip, Fearless, and Lee Jagon also joined Fleta and Void as role stars for the 2020 season, giving the Shanghai Dragons the most role stars of any team. Void was also an MVP candidate and a tank role star. Lip, Fearless, and Li Jigong also joined Fleta and Void as role stars for the 2020 season, giving the Shanghai Dragons the most role stars of any team. Yet even with all their talent, the Dragons wouldn't have the end of their magical season they were looking for. The Dragons would win out in the Asian region and claim the top berth into the championship playoffs. The Dragons would stomp their first round opponent in the Philadelphia Fusion, who would quickly be dispatched 3-0, but waiting for them in the winner's finals would be the San Francisco Shock. And what a winner's final it would be. A close 3-2 loss to the Shock would throw them down into the loser's final where they would face the other team that made it out of the Asian region, the Seoul Dynasty. The Dragons would fall short in the series, unable to finish the Dynasty off in the final two maps to close 3-2 once again. A valiant end, but disappointing result for a team so talented. A team that many had winning it all. Perhaps this year will be their year. There's no lack of talent for the Dragons. They have made a few changes to their roster. Lip, Fleta, and Diem remain as DPS for the team. But added into the mix is Diem's old contender duo, Erster, who was never able to find his footing with the Atlanta Reign. Perhaps being in the mix with two role stars and still arguably the best Widowmaker in his former partner DM can change things around for him. Void still remains as the stalwart off-tank, but a change at main tank to fate is one that Dragon's hope pays off. Lee Jagong will now have a different flex support to potentially be paired up with in Molly a promising rookie in 2020 that hopes the change to the best team in Asia can change his fate. Izayaki still remains as an option as well, at his flex support role with his incredible Ana play. The MVP and many of the players who were vital last year still remain, but have the changes around the edges made enough of a difference for Shanghai to hold on to their top spot and compete for their ultimate goal. Can they capture the one thing that is truly missing from the trophy case of the incredibly talented Fleta in a championship? So, Lobo, I remember the quote I used when I talked to you about a couple of the DPS additions to this team. I think it was an embarrassment of riches. Um, This team's roster is just kind of unfair. Uh, Looking at DPS, you have Fleta and Lip and DM all returning. Erster added at the DPS line supports. You have Izayaki and Molly at your flex. Lee Jagon is your main support void at off tank and fate at main tank. 
So overall, still probably the best. I, I would argue still the best roster in APAC at this point. Fleta, MVP for a reason. Guy was incredible. Lip was also huge. It was great at the DPS. DM is still an incredible hit scan player. I'm we were I remember all offseason you and I were really hoping he would be able to get a team. We're very happy he's back. And then Erster. Erster's on this team. As if you didn't have anything else to worry about. Erster, the guy who was a season two MVP candidate, one of our most exciting players, somebody we wanted to see thrive in season three so badly. Projectile God. This guy is on this team. The the biggest thing with Erster is he's reunited with DM, right? Mm-hmm. That that to me is one of the most interesting parts about the DPS squad because like Fleta and Lip are probably going to be playing a large majority of the game, right? Like we kind of we kind of have that locked in already. We we know how good both of those players are. We know how good Lip is at the heroes that he plays. So for those guys in particular, that's sort of the, the you know the expectations that that you have to have. The the biggest thing is what Erster do we get? Do we get the guy who was an MVP candidate? Do we see him sort of return to the form that we know he can be, especially now that he gets to play with a DPS guy that he is super comfortable with and also gets to play on a roster that, except for one player, fully speaks the language he does. It's probably mm-hmm. culturally going to be a better situation for him than any roster that he's been on while he's been in the Overwatch League. So for me... That's what gets me most excited about this, because, again, I, I, I was always been very high on the LFZ boys. So to see these two guys in particular, who some of my you know most vivid broadcasting memories of Contenders China are for Erster and DM, seeing them back together is really, really cool. All these guys are freaks like these. I am this DPS line. I don't think there's any holes character wise or player wise. You, you, you can call Erster a hole just because we didn't really see what he is anymore because he didn't really play last year. So that Erster for the DPS part is the biggest question mark for me. That that is the part that I that I um, I have the most questions about because why why didn't he play last year? You know, what what was the downfall that that made it where he was not important to a roster that it seemed like he was going to be a a, a huge cog in making it go in Atlanta last year? And then looking over support, Izayaki, I think, really kind of established himself as a strong, consistent flex support, kind of helped shed a couple of issues he had before. But you can you have him on the Ana. I think you put Molly over there on like if you want to run Molly on the maybe on the Zenyatta like both really good flex supports Lee Jae gone my favorite main support of season three my favorite Lucio the dude is aggressive a playmaker a fragger gets crapped on for his style but the dude is super fun to watch and and Shanghai makes it work I think that's the most important part you know Lee Jae gone ends up being, I think, a role star last year as a result, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm trying to remember all the role stars for 2020, and mm-hmm. like Liquipedia doesn't like have like a... I don't know why they don't have like a, a thing for like, oh, you were a role star in 2020, because they should, because like so many players from... Uh, yeah, Lee Jae Gong was a role star, so uh, my memory does work sometimes. So you're talking about a player who's considered one of the best at his position, right? Like Lee Jae Gong is the reason that um, Moth doesn't get a role star position last year. So like he he must be all right at that position to be able to do that. And the fact that you get Molly on this roster, who I thought was one of the the more bright spots for the Chengdu Hunters last year. I think that just solidifies the you know the flex tanks or flex support spot more than than it would have been otherwise. And then at tank, tank is the only place where I see any sort of like maybe not weakness. I guess just like a downgrade from fearless. Void still a really really good off tank. Fate's a great main tank. Fate is just I think the thing is like Fate's floor is super super high. 
Bates always a very consistent main tank. He even has experience with Coach Moon since they were both together on the LA Valiant for a time. But I don't think he can. I don't think he peaks as high as somebody like Fearless does. Well, that's the question, right? Like this is the most talented roster he'll be on. Um, you know, Fate was pretty good. A lot of people were pretty high on Fate when he was with the the Valiant. I think this maybe is where we see him sort of return to that form because he has so many good players around him. Again, another role star is playing beside him in Void. So this is where, like, if Fate ends up not being much this year, um, then he's just not the guy that people think Mm -hmm. he can be. Like, this will be the most telling for him because he has the support players to keep him alive. He has everything to enable him as a main tank on this team. Like, this could be your Sato of last year. I would hope so. I really want, I would love to see the guy continue to grow. Um, looking at expectations, do we have any other expectations besides winning APAC or at least being top two? They have to, that, that is the expectation because you think about it, what did they really lose? Where where did they lose a player? For the, the only thing. Exactly. So you lose a role star, but you're bringing in somebody who you think maybe maybe he he in fate you you see somebody who can play some of the other tanks better than what Fearless was able to do, right? Like maybe that's the appeal. Because we know that Fearless on Winston, good luck, right? You're you're not getting better than than him. But Stand one came in for Shanghai last year in a lot of different points during certain metas because Fearless wasn't able to compete at the Mm -hmm. same level that we saw him compete on the Winston. So maybe that's the answer that fate is, is that he has the hero pool to be able to play those other tanks that are going to be so much more important because of how Overwatch is currently and how Overwatch might continue to go. So maybe that's part of why fate is the person, even though fearless is a role star when he gets to play the Winston, especially. I think you have, I agree with you. I think you have to be shooting. I honestly think you need to rectify what we'll call the failure of last year. You need to be in that championship match at the end yeah. of the season. That, that's the expectation for sure. The, the expectation is to be winning APAC tournaments. Um, you know, maybe not every single one, but almost every single one is probably going to be the expectation. And then competing at the end of the year for the overall championship, which, like you said, there's a lot of people that thought that Shanghai was the best team in the world. And they, they ended up losing to a team in their own region to try and get back to have that chance to fight San Francisco in the championship game. They get third place. Third place last year was unacceptable. I agree. I think anything but the top is is a failure. You need to make it happen this time. And, win condition? And it's fate. Fate is the win condition, right? Uh, th- the biggest question is fate. That's where you have the most riding on. Like, the DPS is not much different from years prior. Um, you know, Flet is an MVP. The, the, you have DM, who's the best Widowmaker in the world. Um, you have so many things that are still so good on this team. You've kept together the core. Now the tertiary adjustments that you've made, are they enough? I sounds good. I can't just, I I don't think I have anything else to add on top of that. Uh, One more team for us tonight. We're going to be covering our fourth, well, our fourth out of five total Chinese teams. Uh, One, I think we've been really excited. We've been really, we've had a lot of fun watching this team every year. I'm excited to see what they do in season four. The Chengdu Hunters. The Chengdu Hunters of Season 3 held true to previous seasons. A team that goes against the grain and plays a style that works for them. That being said, Season 3 would be more of the same for the Hunters as far as results. The addition of leave was a much needed addition to the DPS position, but it wasn't enough to keep the Hunters from the bottom of the Asian region. Molly would be a great addition to the support line, but things would never truly reach a level that's needed to compete with the likes of the Shanghai Dragons and the Guangzhou Charge. 
Their regular season record would have them in the middle of the overall standings, but second to last in the Asian region. The Hunters managed to beat the London Spitfire at the play-in's first round, but would not be so lucky against the New York Excelsior in the second round. With their season at an early end again, the Hunters were forced to really consider the direction they want the team to go in. The team that has always got against the grade might not look the same this season. Huge additions from the best contenders team in Team CC bring Gaga and Farway 1987 into the fold to bolster the tank and support lines. Nisha and Billy Billy have also been added to the support mix and could give the team a whole new backline complexion. Jimmy and Kaneki have also been added to give a new look to the DPS line to combine with Jim Yu and Leave. While these additions bring a lot of hope for what this roster might be, there's still a lot that needs to be shown from what this roster can do. There will be a new look for the Hunters, but will it be enough to compete with the top teams? Alright, so where some teams really kind of went way, like uh, some more, I guess, veteran heavy, maybe brought in some more mid, like more Tao we've heard of before. Chengdu brought in a ton of rookies for season four. This team is huge. I think they have 12, 12 players. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe 11. Yeah, 11. Like, this roster has a ton of people on it. And I know um, talking with you and with Hulky, like, this was one that is just full of Chinese contenders players. Uh, going back, we have Jinmu and Leave returning. Uh, new DPS players are going to be Jimmy and Kaneki. Eveltal comes back um, as a two way support player. Nisha and Farway, 1987, are going to be your support duo. And then Elsa and Late Young, Late Young being a two-way as your returning tanks. So is Among the Ga- the Yada Chad himself. Gaga is coming Gaga. back as a Gaga. Okay, I've heard different people say different things. Gaga is going to be a rookie tank for you, playing a lot of the. So we've talked about the little wrecking ball thing a couple times off stream, but please, when we get to that, don't for, don't don't forget to bring that up, please. Um. DPS is still really good for this team, in my opinion. Jinmu, solid, really great projectile player. Leave can still play anything under the sun. I'm not familiar with Jimmy and Kaneki, though. Kaneki was part of a um, a couple of different rosters during 2020. Uh, Cosmos at Veritas and Team Cat. Neither of them were really able to compete. Like here, Here's the problem, in part, with Team CC last year was they were so good. They just beat up on everybody in um, in contenders. So there, there was not many rosters that could really compete with them. They, they didn't even lose that many maps over the entire part of 2020 contenders. China season one, they ended up did lose. They, they ended up losing at, at one point, but then were able to rectify that with just one adjustment of a player that they brought in to play Echo. And then they were back to being the dominant force that everybody knew. So. Mm-hmm. They were always able to rectify any problems that they had, and they were led by Dia. But on the other side, you know, Kaneki, when playing on Cosmos, Veritas, and Team and Team Cat, was it actually a pretty darn good DPS player. So not a bad player for them to bring in. You know, personally, I would would have liked to have seen um, Dia get in. Obviously, they don't have the same hero pools, but still, the, the, you, you know, you, you you beggars can't be choosers. I think that he'll be a good player. Same thing with Jimmy. Jimmy comes in to play the um, the the uh, he kind of takes spot. over. He kind of takes over Bacon Jack's role, I would say, right, where he's like your long range hit scan player. Yeah, a little bit. Like this is where I wish it was Dia. I think Dia would have been a upgrade over Jimmy, but I think Jimmy will will still be a solid player. I see him more as maybe just taking some of the burden off of leave more than anything else. And then sort of to play those characters that, that normally leave would probably be doing, but you need leave on tracer. So then you have Jimmy as like your ash or something. If, if that ends up being like something that's needed in the, the meta, like, like DPS is good here. It's pretty solid. Leave is, is 
at another level and Jinmu's still pretty good, but but I think that that this isn't the part of the roster that I'm most excited for. I agree. I think going into the support line, Evil Tal comes back as a two-way. Uh Nisha and Faraway 1987 as your main support duo. Uh Faraway and 19 I he's gone under Faraway and he's gone under 1987 before, but I know you and I have talked about this guy a lot. Yes. So <laughs> Faraway in 1987 are literally his names when he played previously, and then he just combined them when he joined Overwatch League, which why did he do that to two people? I, I don't know why. Longer jersey number, I guess. Jersey title. But but 1987, as what I knew him in 2020, is a guy who you are going to be talking about when the season starts and once it gets going on Zenyatta being a monster. This is a guy who is going to be one of those flex support players that come in that people are going to be awed at what he can do. He's that good of a player, and he was a huge part of why Team CC was the dominant team that they were. So far away, 1987, I'm talking right now, this is a rookie of the year candidate probably already in my mind. Crazy good flex support player. and Nisha. I'm not as familiar with I, I'm not familiar with a ton of the players in this team, unfortunately, but yeah. um, played a lot with T1W uh, most recently with Billy Billy Gaming. It is funny, like there's parallels almost where like we talked about Paris Eternal almost is like the team where they had to get everybody who wasn't Team CC almost because team like or sorry, British Hurricane because British Hurricane was just for such a long time the dominant team in Europe and we're seeing, I don't think a similar, I don't at vastly different levels of quality, but kind of different situations where you have to almost get all these other players. Cause team CC people, I think went between like Guangzhou and Hangzhou, I think a little bit. No, most of them went here to Chengdu. Like the forget two, everything most, I ju- forget I, everything I, yeah. I just said that I'm sorry. No, the, like two of the most important players for team CC are Gaga and, and far away 1987. The two players that are on this team. Like Nisha is also a very good player as well and a good main support to pair up with somebody like Faraway 1987. So the, the, I think Chengdu is the team that had the most from that Team CC team, if memory serves me correctly. But they, Team CC did split up quite a bit, though. Right. It's sort of the same thing that happened with Lucky Future Senef previously. So mm. it, the, to me, though, the, the the players that that are the ones that we're going to be watching the most are the two guys here on Chengdu. Lee Ji is the other one who was a player that, that you're going to be watching. But Gaga and Faraway 1987 are the two really that you're, you're going to be paying attention to. Gaga has a nickname that you've talked to me about before. Yes. Yeah, so Gaga is known as Little Among. Um, the only problem with that is that he might be better than Among in every way, shape and form, and not just on the, the thing that Among is known for in Wrecking Ball. He, he's probably the better Wrecking Ball, too, for Gaga. Gaga is, is an incredible main tank. So <laughs> this is the weird part about like Chengdu has always been sort of this team where they ran like the, the, the uh, unconventional compositions, right? Mm hmm. This is not that year. This is not what we're going to be seeing. Not when you bring in 1987, far away 1987 and Gaga. And then you have RUI coming back, I think, to stay as head coach. I know he's, he was he spent a lot of season three gone with severe health issues that I think when it was announced that he was coming back, you and I were really surprised and kind of worried. Uh, I think having RUI back as your main central leader is going to be really good for this team. It's definitely something that's nice to see. You just hope that his health will be able to to withstand, right? Like, like that's the, the biggest thing that you sort of worry about with that more than anything else, I believe. So when we look at also looking at tanks, Elsa is back uh, between Elsa and late young. I, you think I've always liked Elsa. I think he's been a little bit underrated just because he's had to play with he's had to imagine trying to play off tank next to Among, the guy who plays like he does. Like your off tank play is going to look a little bit different. Uh between Elsa and Late Young, do we think Elsa still gets the start? 
Yeah, I think Elsa still does. I mean, uh, otherwise, why is Light Young on a two-way contract and not on a full team contract, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, if you're a two-way player, that means you're behind the player who's not a two-way player. That's always yeah. sort of been the thought for me. And Light Young's been on the team since 2018, so, like, if Late Young was going to be the guy, he would have already become the guy. For sure, for sure. When we look at expectations for this team, what are you thinking? Where do you see them as far as like power rankings? I have them really high. I, I have them. <laughs> I do and I don't, right? Like this is where it gets so difficult because like there are parts of this roster that I believe very, very much in. Like I believe in Faraway 1987. I believe in Gaga. I believe in Lee. Um, when you start to try and rank them though, this is where it gets difficult. And this is where the, the middle of this pack, you know, below Shanghai, I don't know what to think because I can see them finishing as high as second place, but I can see them also finishing as low as uh, like fifth, sixth, you know, L- like like that's the problem with this APAC, not problem, but this is what what is so difficult about, about the APAC region this year is like so many teams have gotten significant changes to their roster that it's really hard to place them. I placed them kind of low when I kind of was initially doing this, but if Gaga and Faraway 1987 end up being the players that we saw on Team CC, and then you have a player like Leave be able to reach an, another level, it's level we saw him when he was on World Cup, where he now also has some major support from an incredible main tank and an incredible flex support player. Like this could be a team competing with Shanghai. That is mm-hmm. in the realm of possibility. It, it, it's so hard, though, to place this because Chengdu has always been the team that runs the gimmicks, right? has been the team that that goes against conventions that goes against the grain but this is a roster where you really see this as being the opportunity for them to not just be driving metas with whatever they end up playing but also actively being part of metas instead of sort of being like outside of whatever the meta might be yeah i think that's something you have talked about a while like for a little bit like they this isn't about trying to gimmick your way through a match anymore where you have to rely on the wrecking ball or you have to rely on Elsa playing Torbjorn, which uh, isn't something that can happen anymore. Anyway, like I think that as they really shifted and gotten these players in, this team can make a really good run. I'd like a really big run for like a higher placing in APAC. I think what scares me so much though is like, APAC has so many good teams in it. That's the biggest problem, right? Like, if this is a team that's in North America, we're easily talking about them competing with the teams near the top. You know, like, like, like we know this is a top half team if they're playing in with NA teams. That, that, but that's the problem, right? You're, you're at the the mercy and at the whim of the region that you're in. And APAC, I think, is just going to be that competitive of a region this year. And it was, I mean, sort of was last year too. So what defines a successful season for the Chengdu Hunters, in your opinion? Um, if Gaga and Farway 1987 are everything we think that they can be, if they are playing at um, ro- almost role star caliber level, which they, they definitely have the potential to be. Um, like, like Team CC wasn't just good in, in, in Contenders China, right? Like this was a team that all of these rookies that we've been talking about from Korean contenders, all of those rookies from Korean contenders lost to the team that Faraway 1987 and Gaga were on. Mm-hmm. And a large part of why is Gaga and Faraway 1987. Dia 2, who unfortunately hasn't made his way into the league yet, and it's a travesty. Um, Liji also part a, a big part of that too. Um, so for me, those guys hitting uh are are one of the things but as far as uh, I, the win condition itself though or, or the expectation I, competing for championships is sort of what what i almost expect or at least in the mix you know being competitive with teams like shanghai teams teams at the top of the apac region that's what i want to see from chengdu and i want want to see if these guys are actually what we we think they might be for the 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 two players that that i keep mentioning i'm hoping man i would love to see a super strong chengdu roster in season three I, season four excuse me i would love to see this team actually make a run at the top they also added emily tangerine to be their um a correspondent for them 
their overseas correspondent. So that I thought was really cool. Keeping uh, cool people in the league in the league. You know, we hadn't seen her do. I don't think she ended up being able to do anything in 2020. So to see her be um, that correspondent, you know, probably going to be doing videos and stuff for them on YouTube or something. I don't know what exactly they'll be having her do specifically. It was it was an announcement that just happened when uh, to the day we're recording this. So um, that's something that I'm excited to see and see where it goes. Uh, just from like outside stuff. Well, as we wrap up, Lubasco, I think a couple things we got to throw out to the viewers really quick. If you guys want to help us out, the best thing you can do is leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. It really helps us learn what you guys like, what you don't like. That constructive criticism always helps. Plus, we get to know. I A lot of people have used it to complain about playing with me and ranked, which is really funny. <laughs> but uh, we read out every review on the show. So if you want to get on the show, this is a really easy way to do that. Uh, if you want to hang out with us for game nights or for other stuff, we are at discord.me slash mash those buttons. We have a good time in there. Discord mash those buttons has a ton of really fun communities in it. I know dropping spicy is really fun. There's some great war world of Warcraft. There's some great fighting game stuff on there, but we highly recommend you check it out. If you want to get in contact with Lobosco, if you have an itching to see some one piece and Arcadum retweets, where should you go? Uh, at Lobosco is where you go and do that. It's funny that you mentioned those two because I hadn't, I haven't been like overly tweeting that stuff lately, funny enough. But yeah, you, you can go you go there and you'll see me tweet about whatever, you know, I, I, I avoided the University of Illinois game and apparently it was a good thing because it would have made me really mad if I watched it. It was another Illinois team that they were playing and it was oh my God. But yeah, see a lot of sports takes and stuff there too. You know, like the White Sox season's almost getting started. So you might see some baseball stuff on there. Who knows? And if you want to see some really fun I I missed 2012 pop punk tweets. You can follow me at Ramsey's underscore OW with Overwatch League season kicking up. We will have a ton more content coming that way. And we are planning. We'll be back on the weekly schedule as we actually go into the main season starting on April 16th. We're really excited for it. Uh, Labosco, anything to add before we wrap up for the night? No, we've got one more preview to do. And um it's crazy that we're almost through all of them and, and looking back at all these teams and and since we're focusing on APAC with these next two, after going through this first one, I'm like looking at the 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 rankings that I put, and I'm like, man, I don't know, I, I don't know. APAC is like, I, I really am excited for APAC this year. I think I'm more well, excited for APAC than anything else. One of those teams, I think we're pretty confident about where they're going to place out, but we'll talk about it. Maybe. Um, we'll. No, I'm very confident where the Valiant are going to place out. But um, oh, 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 okay, yeah. <laughs> Valiant finally have a roster, and we'll talk about it on the next episode of Push the Point. Thanks, you guys, for coming through. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and take care of yourself. We'll see you soon. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 